Okay, first of all, before we get going here on the program, uh, hope that Rasmus Anderson is okay. Rasmus Anderson of the Calgary Flames yesterday riding his scooter, struck by a vehicle on his way to dinner. Uh, taken to hospital, released, listed as day-to-day, doing well. Uh, Dennis Gilbert has been recalled from the American Hockey League, which, first of all, hope he's all right. Hope his recovery is quick. Um, what a horrible thing to happen. But... If you're not new to this program, uh, you know we always look for historical references and checkpoints for these types of things. Remember Brendan Witt? I always liked Brendan Witt as a defenseman. He like looked like a hockey player. He had like the long hair, uh, heavy ink, big, strong defenseman. Uh, when he played with the Islanders, he was on his way to practice, walking across the street, and got hit by an SUV. This is going back some years. This is like 2008, 2009. Got hit by a Yukon. And and played later on that night. So Rasmus Anderson, you've now joined a club populated by, amongst other players. I'm sure I'm leaving out a lot of other stories here. Brendan Witt. Uh, anyway, speedy recovery to Rasmus Anderson, defenseman for the Calgary Flames. Uh, coming up on the program today, Elliot's going to stop by in a couple of moments. Lots to get lots to get to with Fridge. We'll talk about both sides of the Vancouver Ranger game last night. Also, both sides of the Minnesota-Dallas game. Uh, last night, 4-1 to for the Dallas Stars. And you wonder about both teams come trade deadline time. Mo- maybe most specifically, uh, the Minnesota Wild. They need goal scoring, and they need goal scoring ASAP, and they are floundering as we speak but uh we'll talk to elliot about that dave andrews former ahl president uh two days ago goes into the american hockey league hall of fame former ceo and president of the american hockey league look forward to talking to him look forward to talking to justin davis so on my way to florida let me grab the book here on my way to Florida last week for All-Star, uh, I, I, for whatever reason, you know, you have stacks of books you try to catch up on. Uh, and if you're like me, you catch up on them mainly when you're traveling. The day-to-day is just the day-to-day. Um, so I read a book by the name of Conflicted Scars, An Average Player's Journey to the NHL. Justin, I'm holding it up here if you're watching on 360 or Sportsnet now. Um, written by Justin Davis, played in the Ontario League. Uh, for Kingston, for Sioux, for Ottawa, won the Memorial Cup with Ottawa, played University of Western Ontario, uh, won a national championship there, played in Germany, uh, played in the senior loop as well. Um, and Justin's an interesting guy because this book is one of the first questions I have for him, I suppose, is who is this book written for? Because it's part instructive, it's part funny, it's part cautionary tale. Um, and it's part confessional as well. Like it's a really interesting look at Justin Davis's trip. He's drafted by the Washington Capitals, by the way. His trip through junior hockey, um, trying to make it to the National Hockey League from a small town just a little bit west of the city of Toronto. So talking to Justin coming up in hour two. Um, but the QOD, and we'll bring in Matt Marchese on this one here for a couple of them before we get to Elliot Friedman. The QOD today, and this is kind of an evergreen one. You can pop up every now and then because as context changes, our opinion changes, and it should. Today's QOD is who is the most interesting team to you in advance of the trade deadline and why? Matt Marchese, what's come in either through uh, the email at jmshow.com at sportsnet.ca or just responses on Twitter so far for this one. 
So uh, the first one was actually an email. This one from Luke Hawking in Winnipeg. And he says, okay. uh, longtime Manitoba listener here. The most interesting team in advance of trade deadline is Colorado. They're getting healthy. Landeskog is expected to start playing shortly after the deadline. And they have a little wiggle room to do something. They've remained in, in the fight and stayed afloat throughout the plague of injuries and now sit third in the Central with games in hand. I expect McFarlane and company mm. to go out and do something unexpected and creative. I don't know if they're going to do anything unexpected. Like, don't we kind of expect Colorado to do the expected, and that is to uh, get a second-line center, to take Essentio as the Nazem Kadri spot last year? Like, at times, Alex Newhook or JT Comfer have been in that spot. Like, isn't that... Like, don't we just sort of expect Colorado to do the expected? I don't know that there's a... I didn't see that one coming move coming from Colorado it seems to me the only question we have is when are they going to pull the trigger on the expected? You know what I mean, Maddie? Yeah, when are they trading for Jonathan Taves, basically? <laughs> That's going to be a discussion point. Well, he's not playing right now, and he's you know, checking out his health. We'll get to that with Elliot here in a couple of moments. But I don't I, – I, again, like I've said this before, I don't know that either of them go. Like, I know we've been waiting. Okay, here's the pressure point. Here's when they're going to make their decision. What if their decision is they don't want to go – or they can't. We'll get Elliot's thoughts on that here in a couple of moments. Give me, uh, give me one more before we get to the uh, the show begun here and, and get to Fridge. All right, this one from Paul Paduti, who we've had on the show uh, talking about Hall of Fame credentials. Paul was a great Hall guest. Hall of Fame. Um, Paul's awesome. Yeah, go Sudbury. So his was. Uh, I'm fascinated by the Penguin State. Some dreadful play, some dominant play. Each future season yields worse odds to be competitive based on their core's age. Their famously careful GM is talking about managing the future, but do they have one? I don't think they care about the future, with all with all due respect. I think this is all just about supporting Sidney Crosby until his contract is done in 2025. And we saw that with Latang and Rust and Malkin, the story we've gone over over and over and over again. I don't think they care about the future and draft picks and you know, uh, draft capital and prospect capital. And these, I don't think they care about that at all. They want players. I think this is a team that hasn't been in the green banana business for a long time and will continue to not be in the green banana business. They want players that are ripe and are ready to play in the NHL because for as long as Crosby is going to be on this team and now throw, you know, Malkin into that equation as well and, and Chris Letang with their extensions, they are going to, quote, go for it. Draft picks, draft schmaft, as one general manager once famously said. And prospects, they're there to be used to help try to get Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins another Stanley Cup. I don't know that I'm confused about the Penguins. I think this is, I think this one's pretty clear. Not everyone might agree with it, but I think this one is is pretty clear. Uh, more of your answers to the uh, who is the most interesting team question in advance of trade deadline coming up here in a couple of moments. In the meantime, let's start the show and get the fridge on the other side. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Um, and someone who I imagine must have been watching NBA, <laughs> NBA trades and saying, hmm... I wish my sport were like more more like the NBA right now, and that's Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and Thirty Two Thoughts. Hello, Fridge. How you doing, man? Good. Um, okay, I'm going to throw a scenario out at you. So I sort of hinted at this as I brought you on. Um, finish this thought. 
if NHL trade deadline was like NBA trade trade, trade deadline, what would happen? You know, you you kind of warned me about this, so I was I was thinking about it a little bit, and it basically, if you look at this whole Harden and well, not Harden because he went a little while ago, but or, um, uh, Durant trade and the other trade that they made from the Nets, it's almost like McDavid and Drysaddle because these are these are guys who are still at the top of their powers, right, in the NBA. So it's almost like McDavid and Drysaddle saying, "Get me out of here." That's 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 the most comparable thing. Or McKinnon and McCarr saying, "Get me out of here." Like it, it, it's the most comparable see, that, thing that, right now. It, it see, and, and and this speaks to both sports too, because in basketball, everybody looks at that and says, "Wow, isn't that exciting?" Whereas if something like that happened in hockey, sure there'd be those that say, "Wow, isn't that exciting?" But I think the I, I think the overwhelming sentiment would be like, oh, this is awful for the game. In basketball, that's embraced. You know, the superstar players, you know, leaving, playing, you know, uh, you know, uh, jumping from lily pond to lily pond. In mm-hmm. hockey, that's that's really frowned up. That's kind of really frowned upon, isn't it? From my experience, well, I, anyhow, I, it'd be like, oh my, that's it's like Chicken Little and the sky is falling. Like, remember when Korea and Solani lined up? To go to Colorado, everyone said like, "Oh, look at this! Loading up a super team." What the like? There was like a, a real like hue and cry around it in basketball. It's just like, also, "Oh yeah, wild, that's that's Wednesday." Wild uh, Suter and Parise. Correct. Yes. Like I, I, I honestly, Fridge, and and maybe it's not going to happen soon because of a stagnant salary cap. But I can really see a day, and now younger players are more yes. daring, and I would imagine would try things like this more than ever before. We mentioned, you know, Suter and Parise, and before that mentioned Solani and Korea. I wonder if one day, and maybe that day is soon, as soon as the cap goes up a little bit, we see players, you know, whether it's, you know, I don't know, pick, pick a young player and his, and his buddy, you know, lining up to try to get on the same team deliberately lining up their free agency in order to go to Team X, right? Like maybe it's, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Alexis Lafreniere lining it up so they can both get to the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know. I'm just picking that off the top of my yep. head. But I think you know what I mean. Like, I don't know that we're that far away from that. And basketball has done it for years. Well, I think, I think we've had it. Like you said, you talked about Solani and Korea. The difference with them, though, is they were sort of <clears throat> a bit later in their career, and they took haircuts to to get that done in Colorado. But it happened with the Wild, Suter and Parise, and they both got huge deals. And for the buyouts that the Wild did, it's really going to start to affect them next year. But I I think it's happening. It's happened before. You know, the, the, the thing is that right now, obviously we've got a stagnant salary cap. And so it prevents these kinds of things from happening. The NBA they're talking, and we'll see what happens, but they're talking about a big media increase. Some of their deals are up. And we'll see what happens, and it's only going to push their cap up and allow more of this stuff to happen. And the NFL, I mean, they're the king right now. 95 of 100 top shows last year were NFL games. Um, you know, they can, they, they can do a lot of crazy stuff. And so... That's the thing. Like, I do think that this next generation of players will start doing more stuff like this. Like, it's happened a little bit, but I think it'll happen more often. But you need Mm -hmm. flexibility in your system to have it happen. And we don't have that. 
You know, here, here's another thing that I wonder about. Curious your perspective on this. I, I'm of the belief that salaries are as much part of marketing as they are about performance. Oh, and we've I talked a lot about Aaron, Aaron Judge. Uh, you've talked about Aaron Judge betting on himself and just hitting the jackpot. But like yeah. when you start to see insane numbers, like to me, it's such a great indication of the health of that team the health of the sport the hor- the health the health of the league like to me big, like, i'll give you an example um the chicago blackhawks before they won mm-hmm. you know it wasn't their first stanley cup but you know after the uh, the drought between 61 and 2010 you know part of that rebuild you know there was that quiet time in that summer and it was too quiet and the blackhawks were out of the headlines and Dale Talon was instructed, you know, go sign Brian Campbell to an insane deal because we need mm-hmm. to we need to create some buzz. We need to get our, our name back in the in the headlines here. We're getting, you know, it's always the Bears, it's always the Cubs, it's the White Sox. We need to get the Blackhawks, you know, back in the headlines here. Go sign Brian Campbell to a contract where everybody says, "Whoa, look what you just did with Brian Campbell!" Like mm-hmm. I think it's part of the marketing. And I think the NHL is missing out on it. Listen, we got to understand where the cap is at and escrow, et cetera, and, and how the revenue is split. I just, I just don't know that it's healthy for the sport. I understand not wanting to give the players an extra nickel, but it's part of marketing the entire thing, Fridge. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I, I've written about that. I, I completely agree. I think that that's one of the reasons I think that the, the league and the players um, – I think that's one reason the league on the players uh, have to find a way to get some flexibility in the cap. And, um, and you know, as, as you heard, like the weird thing about this year is that Batman came out of nowhere in October at the, at the board of governors meeting. And he basically said, we think we can get a bit of a cap lift this year. And we're like, wow, that's a bit of a surprise. It's unusual for him to do that. And now he's walked it back. He walked it back in December at the Board of Governors meeting then, and he's and he reiterated that at the All Star. Um, I just think that that's, you know, like it was. It's a whole weird situation for me. The fact that he did that unprompted, and then he walked it back, mm-hmm. and. I remember coming out of there and thinking that was around the time that Aaron Judge signed. And I'm, <clears throat> I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, we look exactly like you just talked about. Um, we can't, like, the moves can't get made. There's not as much buzz. Like, like, I had one player actually say to me the other day, Jeff, like, you guys, you guys are talking about trades. Nothing's happening. You guys are talking about things that aren't <laughs> happening. And I understood his frustration. Like, I, I completely get it. Uh, um, it's just that, like, I think people want the buzz. Like, like I went to bed early last I night do? because, the, yeah, because the, the last game, the Wild Stars game, ended at, like, midnight. So, not even midnight, yeah. 11 o'clock. So, I was in bed around 11.30, and I woke up this morning, and Kevin Durant's traded, Right. And, you know, yep. like a part of me was like, thank God nothing happened late last night because I'd hate to be beaten on that. But I, I think the other thing is, but part of me was also like, we need this buzz. We, we need this. We, we need something interesting to happen. Like that whole Horvat thing happening around the All-Star game, I thought it was a really good thing for the NHL. 
Like, we had a big trade right before the All-Star game. We knew the extension was, was likely coming. It got done the day after the All-Star game. But it, w- it was buzz. Like, you know, people were excited. And uh, I just yeah. think that we are missing on that, Jeff. I am completely with you on this topic. Okay, so a couple of things. You mentioned that Minnesota game last night. So they uh, they drop another one. Minnesota's in a tough spot right now. They lose to the Dallas Stars 4-1. to one. Uh, I, I want to ask you about both these teams. And when I look at Minnesota, and maybe this is just overly simplistic. This is me just saying, oh, look, A to B equals C. I keep looking at this team and saying they need goals. It would make sense. Maybe not financially. There'd be some stick handling here. But for Brock Besser to end up with Minnesota. Minnesota's lost five of the last seven. They need to score. Garen is going for it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. For Dallas, you know, one of the things that I'm curious about is who do they bring in to help play with Tyler Sagan? Because, mm-hmm. listen, the top line is a top line, and that is super elite, and at times it's the best line of the NHL, period. But mm-hmm. who do they bring in? Because this team could win the Stanley Cup. I think that they're, you know, maybe only one piece away from it, and that is who's playing with Sagan. Your thoughts on both the teams that's, uh, that didn't even get you to midnight last night, the Minnesota Wild and the Dallas Stars? Well, I, I think the like uh, Garen was on Mike Russo's podcast a bit, and I was listening to it, and like one of the things, and 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 Russo and Garen, well, more Russo, he kind of threw cold water on something I've been hearing a little bit the past couple of days, and that's the idea of a Brock mm-hmm. Besser deal with Minnesota that would involve Jordan Greenway going to the Canucks, and you know one of the things that. Like, I do think that the Canucks are trying to move Besser. I think Besser would like to go. I have no doubt that Minnesota is his number one choice. It's the place that makes the most sense. But the one thing that I've been told many times by a lot of people involved is that Minnesota can't take term. They they cannot take term unless it's an absolute game-changing player. And... You know, mm-hmm. but then I started hearing, well, maybe they could take Besser if Greenway, who's got another year under contract, uh, uh, would would go, and then Vancouver eats some money, and the and you know, anyway, however it was going to go, I, I heard rumors about the possibility of something like that. Well, if you read Russo today and you listen to Garen on the pod, um, it, it it doesn't sound like that's what they think that makes a lot of sense for them. So I guess that's not going to be occurring. But I know that I'm, I know that those two teams have talked about it. It just sounds like it, it sounds like it's too hard to do. I have heard about Van Riemsdyk and Minnesota too potentially. Um, I think mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Winnipeg is another team that's looking around Van Riemsdyk, and I'm sure there's more. Um, you know, I. I think they're looking for a score. I think the biggest question that they have to decide is, are they going to look for a, <laughs> excuse me, a scoring winger or are they going to look for a defenseman? Dallas, I agree with you. I think they're looking for another forward, maybe a depth D. Um, you know, I think, you know, Patrick Kane is back skating today. Him and Seth Jones are, are back at practice after having maintenance days. You know, I, I wrote this week, I think Kane is about – 10 days away from figuring out what he's going to do here. Um, you know, like to me, the biggest question is it like how many teams, if Kane's going to be traded, how many teams are we talking about here? 
is he, like last year, like Todd Brisson, he represent who represents Kane, he represented Claude Giroux, and he basically told Philly, if you want to do this, it's one team. One and team. That, that's my biggest question on Kane is how many teams yeah. are we talking about here? Now, I also want to mention about Chicago, uh, Taves, um, he is not practicing again today. He's got a non-COVID illness. I'm under the impression he went for tests yesterday. I don't know what exactly the situation is, but, you know, we obviously we've got to get, hopefully he's okay, but obviously we've got to get some clarity on what he's dealing with. All right, um, moving along. The other game last night, I'm going to ask you about both these teams, and then I want to ask you about Dave Andrews, who's coming up here in a couple of moments. Um, the Rangers beat the Vancouver Canucks. Philip Heedle scores again. He has been pistol hot. This has been a great season for Heedle. Keandre Miller gets three assists last night. This has been a great season for Keandre Miller. Chris Drury has about $15 million in cap space for next season. Um how are the Rangers going to do this? Like, I know it's a nice problem to have. We have too many good players that we have to pay. Trust me, there are plenty of GMs around the NHL that wish they had that problem. But nonetheless, it's an issue. Um, your thoughts on what Vancouver's facing here, namely a couple of kids really popping this season. Philip Heedle is one, hot again yeah. last night, and Andre Miller as well. Well, I uh, the, the, like this is going to be interesting because... You know, Larry Brooks wrote this yesterday, and I I feel the same thing. It's that when I saw the Dylan Cousins extension, I was like, well, that's going to make life a bit harder on the Rangers. Um, And it's not because I think Cousins' extension is a bad deal. I think it's a very good deal. But, you know, Heedle, the way he's going, he's going to be looking at this and saying, I'm a $7 million player too. And wherever he gets to, um, you know, like, like, like to me, like I'm looking at the Rangers, and they're starting to go. They, they put the kid line back together. Obviously, that works. Um, you know, Miller, like the one thing about Miller is I don't know how they're going to be able to do a long-term deal with that guy. Like, to me, that just screams bridge until the cap starts going up because, uh, you know, they're, they're in a tight cap situation um, going forward. And, and to me, that kid Miller is becoming one of the better defensemen in the NHL very quickly. <laughs> Um, you know, Heedle, like, like yeah. I think the Rangers this year, I think they're going to go big or at least try to. And I, and like, like they're, 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 I believe they're in on Meyer. I just have no idea how they can sign them. And I wonder if the Rangers are just going to be one of those teams, whether it's Patrick Kane, whether it's Tarasenko or a guy like Meyer, where they just say, let's go for it this year. And we'll worry about the summer in the summer. Like even if they go out and get a guy like Meyer, I think what they do mm-hmm. is they just say, let's just let's just worry about this now, and and then we'll deal with it in the summer. And that's what I look at because I think you have like I think they're good enough. I think they have to. I think they're going to go for it. I think they're going to add. Uh, I just think that. Yeah. I just don't know how they fit all these pieces together after this year so you worry about it after this year true okay uh, a couple of things to wrap up here um Dave oh, by the way I, in a couple I, of seconds i, I did yeah. i did want to mention by the way um jack hughes so a lot of the devils fans were asking if this was the related to the injury uh related to all-star when he got pulled down by kachuk the word is no yep. i asked 
The word is no. Okay, because that is every general manager and fan base's big worry is that a player yes. gets injured at All-Star. And that's mm-hmm. always the one thing that I talk about when people complain that the All-Star game isn't competitive. Trust me, you don't want it to be competitive. It's competitive <laughs> for goaltenders. I always feel bad about that. Like If I'm a GM of an NHL team, I want my forwards to go. I'm cool with that. I want my defensemen to go. I'm cool with that. I don't know that I want my goalies to go because of... They're not getting any support, and they're on an island, and it's post-to-post and up and down and all over the place, and no one's protecting them. So that's the the, the one position that if I'm a GM, I'm not thrilled that my, my goaltender is going to the All-Star. But for anyone that says, oh, I wish the All-Star game was more competitive, here's another reason why you don't want it to be competitive. I'm not saying this was the Kachuk. To your point, not related, but if it was... Like, that's a worst-case scenario. This guy's gone 6-8 to eight because of what happened at the All-Star game. No thanks, Freege. No thanks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with Dave you Andrews. on that. Nobody wants guys getting hurt there. Dave Andrews coming up here in a couple of moments. So Dave just went into the American Hockey League Hall of Fame, longtime uh, president and CEO of the American Hockey League. Uh, I've always, you know, made the point that he's the best general manager the NHL never had. When I say the name Dave Andrews to you, what pops to your mind right away? Well, I, I think that the thing I think about is it's, it's like when you run leagues, um, the best you can probably be in a lot of ways is, is a bit of a benevolent dictator. Um, you know, I, I think... The, the one thing that someone, I remember I asked someone about Dave Andrews once because we did an interview with him on the pod, and I asked somebody about him, and the, someone said to me, he's the, like the nicest authoritarian you've ever met. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, he, they said to me that like, running a league right now is, um, it's, it's tough. It's like herding cats. Um, Everybody's got all these owners. They have, they care about their teams first and foremost. Some care about something big. Some think, okay, I've got to, my team's got to be healthy, but the league has got to be healthy. And others are like, I don't care about the league. I want to win. And every market's different and everybody's got different challenges. And, um, like, and, you know, there's, there's some of them that are just impossible to control. And, you know, what people have told me that if you're going to make it work and you're going to be successful, you have to show who's the boss, and that's you. You have to run things. You have to – and there may be a meeting with a bunch of agenda issues, but you have to know everything that's going to happen before you get in there or you're in trouble. And someone said to me who's owned a team there for a long time that nobody was better at that than Dave Andrews, that Andrews ran the league. Mm -hmm. And if you crossed them in a way where you surprised them, uh, you you got in trouble for it. Like, he put you back in your place. And to a lot of people listening to this, it doesn't always sound nice, but I think in those positions, if you show weakness or you show that you're vulnerable, oh, yeah. people get you. People get you. So you have to hide your weaknesses you have to hide your vulnerabilities, and you have to show that you're the boss. And people told me he was really good at that. 
You know, what I find well. First of all, I agree with all of that about about Andrews. Um, the other thing that I always respected about Dave and how he ran the American League was they weren't shy to try things. Like if the NHL had an idea and they wanted to test it out somewhere, the American League would would try it. Like that that became the reputation of the American League. And like that, a lot of that is circumstantial. Like like the visor issue, for example, or overtime. That just sort of presents itself. So it's not a knock on how Scott Housen is running things. It's just the opportunity presented itself to Andrews and he went for it. I was talking to someone recently, he brought up a really good point about the American League. And he said, you know, this is the league where we should try different things. And he said, I know that at the NHL level, and we've heard Gary Bettman talk about this before, they're really hesitant even to try things like, you know, three points for a win. He said, why aren't we doing that in the American League? It doesn't affect much other than, you know, the, the, the standings. We're not asking players to do something profoundly different. Why don't they ever try the three-point game, like the three points for a win here in the American Hockey League? This is the place to do it. Like, this mm-hmm. should be like the test market for the NHL. It's just not there. I've always wondered about, this person said to me, I've always wondered why we don't do this in the American League. And I said, that's a really good question. I have no answer for you. Um, one thing I do want to mention, speaking of the American League, because you wrote about it this week. We'll end on this one. Coachella Valley and Henderson. Yeah. yeah. Like, we talk a lot about how Seattle and Vegas are super valuable to the NHL's bottom line now, and they are. Mm-hmm. These two expansions have been wildly successful. And at the American League level as well, not just, you know, on the ice, but when you look at revenues for both these teams, like I think these both these and Laval too, Laval's been a good experience. I think these two teams are top five as as far well, as, you know, pulling, the pulling NHL, money out of the organization. It, it is so. And and I think the American League they are too. Yeah, I don't I think, like, I think these two teams are, are are top five. They might even be higher than that. In the NHL, Seattle and Vegas, are, I believe, are both top five. Now, someone did say to me it might be top six at All Star, but I, I I think it's top five. But it's it's up there. Um, but yeah. I don't know the way they rank in the AHL. But the same person who told me that Seattle and Vegas might be top five, it might be top six instead of top five in the NHL said to me that in the AHL, Henderson and Coachella Valley are two of the most successful franchises. Like, they are are pulling in big numbers, big numbers. These organizations, like, like to the American League, like, this is, like, one of the two of the best success stories going in the National Hockey. Someone I talked to this morning said, uh, from the American League, said he he believed that Coachella Valley has, ready for this number, 3,500 season ticket holders. In the American League for each. Wow. That's wild. That's, that's amazing. That's wild to me. That's, uh... Like, like if, I, if, I, if I told you 15 years ago that in the, in the NHL, two of the biggest revenue generators were going to be Las Vegas and Seattle, and in the American League was going to be Henderson and Coachella Valley, you'd say, yeah, you know what? Uh, you're drunk. Just go to bed, Merrick. Just call, just call it a night and go to sleep. Um, but there it is. Two of the most uh, wildly successful franchises in the uh, the NHL slash AHL. All right, uh, good stuff. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. We will chat soon, Elliot. We will chat soon. Don't tell me what to do. Bye. <laughs> there he is, um, Elliot Friedman from Thirty Two Thoughts on Hockey Night in Canada. Hit and pause, real quick. Coming back with Dave Andrews, uh, who goes into the American League Hockey Hall of Fame on Monday. 
that just passed in Laval. Really nice venue, by the way. Uh, uh, I'm not sure the name of the venue that hosted it, but look gorgeous. Uh, really nice, uh, a nice day, and a lot of impressive people going into the American League Hockey Hall of Fame. Most notably, the former CEO and president of said league. He is Dave Andrews, and he joins me in moments. Merrick's show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now. Back in a moment. 